This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, April 8, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. It's not clear after 12 years in Afghanistan exactly what the United States has achieved. It's not even clear that the thinking that has delivered a decade of war has changed. Colonel John Gentile is a U.S. Army officer and a history professor at the United States Military Academy at West Point. We spoke last week. The views expressed here by Colonel Gentile do not necessarily represent those of the United States government or the Department of Defense. You describe yourself as a student of history, Mm -hmm. and you say that the war in Vietnam was a failure Mm -hmm. uh, because of a lack of strategy, Mm -hmm. uh, but also uh, that it was a part of failure of strategy in that mm-hmm. our military planners didn't seem to understand the limits of military right. power right. following World War II. Are right. we still in that world even after a 12-year experience yes. in Afghanistan? This is a problem with the American military uh, in Vietnam, and that is an unquestioning belief in its operational efficacy. The belief that operations can somehow achieve um, policy aims. And this is uh, one can link the United States' problem in Vietnam up to the current wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And if we're going to criticize generals, we can certainly criticize General Westmoreland for having this problem, for thinking that there is an operational solution to the war in Vietnam. For General Westmoreland, it's a combination of search and destroy, pacification of the rural countryside, building up the South Vietnamese forces. Um, And one can draw a straight line from a general like Westmoreland all the way through to General Petraeus today um, or in the last couple of years in uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan, especially in Afghanistan. I mean, look at the title of uh, his biographer's book, Paula Broadwell, All In. That, it seems to me, is part of the problem. Maybe sometimes we don't need to go all in. Um, especially in a case with Afghanistan where the core policy objective is quite limited. It's very small. So why do we need to go all in with a counterinsurgency strategy, which is like a big, huge circle, to get after the core policy aim, which is the destruction of al-Qaeda, which is a circle this size? The idea that uh, a war can be won with the right implementation, Mm -hmm. with the right, as you describe it, a savior Mm -hmm. general, Mm -hmm. is almost a textbook textbook case right out of Hayek's Mm. The Fatal Conceit. That Mm -hmm. is that with the right amount of planning, any aim is is achievable by some standard. And, and, And how do... It seems unlikely that after the two wars that we've just been through that the Pentagon would persist in in that kind of thinking. Yeah. But is that kind of thinking inevitable? It's a, hard, it's a difficult thing for a military when it commits to fighting a war premised on a certain operational framework. And once, especially a professional military uh, like the United States Army, once it embraces a certain operational framework and it works really, really hard at making it succeed and it invests blood, right? I mean, you spill blood, your, your, your friends, your subordinates, right? Leaders are, are killed, wounded, all those kinds of things. And it comes to believe that it can be made to work as long as it's given the right amount of time. I mean, that is a legitimate operational concern or point to make for counterinsurgency, that a, a 
to do counterinsurgency success successfully in Afghanistan, it will take a long time. That kind of counterinsurgency does take time, but time is a calculation of strategy. And, strat and, and especially in a democracy, strategy has to take into account social will, political will, and time becomes an important calculation. And so this becomes a problem when a military's operational framework eclipses strategy and potentially uh, even policy. In the business community, people are very critical yeah. of companies that grow really big right. and get away from core competencies. Yeah, right. And uh, so it leads us, I guess, within a bureaucratic mm. mode mm. to situations where we have a surge in Iraq. Mm -hmm. And then the politicians who defend that surge say, that thing worked really well. Right. And the answer, I guess the, the response question would be, so? You're, 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 we're still far away from yeah. what could be described as a core competency in the larger execution of war itself. Yeah, there's a couple things. Um, there is a, a real concern um, that these last 10, 11, 12 years of counterinsurgency warfare, and there is evidence um, to show this, that the critical core competencies for the American army have atrophied, like the ability to conduct combined arms under a joint force against an enemy that fights in a sophisticated way. There's examples um, in the recent past um, where armies have focused largely on counterinsurgency operations. And when they had to fight at the higher end of the conflict spectrum, they ran into problems. I mean, the Israeli army um, against Hezbollah in 2006 um, is an, an example uh, of this. As to the, the point about this, there is the notion that General Petraeus and the surge made counterinsurgency operations work. And that idea becomes very powerful and very influential in, in spring, summer of 2009 when General McChrystal, because then in Afghanistan in 2009, people are asking, well, what has gone wrong? And then the answer then is bad tactics, bad generals. So you relieve the, 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 the so-called uh, bad general, General McKiernan, and you replace him with the savior general. And this term savior general is used by people like Victor Davis Hanson, who's coming out with a book next month titled The Savior Generals, How Great Commanders Saved Lost Wars from Ancient Greece to Iraq. So then it's, it's back to this, the one guy can turn a complex uh, war around. And so this idea that one person, a savior general, turned his army around in Iraq, made counterinsurgency operations work, whether or not that's really what caused the lowering levels of violence, that occurred in Iraq by the end of 2007 is a whole different story. But that idea that war could work is then imposed on Afghanistan in 2009. And there is a strategy review that's done in summer or fall of 2009. But a real strategy review would have seriously considered options and alternatives. And there wasn't, and Rajiv Chandraskaran's new book, Little America, shows quite convincingly that the American military and defense establishment had become so enamored with the idea that counterinsurgency could work that there really was no serious consideration of alternatives in the spring of 2009, other in summer 2009, other than trying to make surge version two work in Afghanistan. At the event today, there was 
you know, wide agreement that yeah. President Bush came in as a president who was not going to go on these adventures ar ar around the world. Yeah. And President Bush made it explicit when he was campaigning. Right. Right. Uh, Ambassador Dobbins seemed to indicate that, and which came as a little bit of a surprise to me, that yeah. going into uh, Iraq and yeah. Afghanistan, the idea was to go light. Mm. The idea was mm. that if we go light, that perhaps there was a conscious thought here, yes. that uh, it will make... Uh, Afghan society, the government, so the new government, whatever rises right. up, do it more quickly, yeah. and we won't be able to stay. Right. It seemed like that was the implication. So quickly. So, so w was right. that the thought within the Bush administration? Yeah, my sense was that if, um, in in Afghanistan in two, in early two thousand and two in Iraq um, uh, in spring summer of 2003, and even in the months before the invasion of Iraq, I mean, I'll bring another historical and I'll bring Vietnam up again. Um, I, my sense of American decision-making going into Vietnam is that there's a strategic muddle. There's uncertainty. We're not really sure what we know what we have to do, and we think we can make it work. So let's just throw some military forces out there and something good will happen. Something positive will happen. I mean, it's almost like Ludendorff, general, the German general in Spring Offensives, 1918, where he spends the entire year before focusing on retraining his army, um, which he does. And it's premised on the idea that if we can just produce some tactical success, that will lead to strategic success. And so I think with Afghanistan and Iraq, what, what the ambassador was getting at was strategic confusion because there was one train of thought that said, yes, the, 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 the Secretary Rumsfeld view that we can go in, remove the regime, and then leave quickly. But I don't think that there was a real, honest, back-and-forth strategic discussion that should have occurred to where the president says, I've made the policy decision to go in and remove the regime. Then the because the strategy is a combination of military input and policy guidance, and it's interactive. It should be right, and so then the American military, once it's given the order to go do something, it's going to do it because it comes from the civilian masters. Then the American military should have said, "Yes, sir, we can go in and remove the regime." But then what? Should we stay or should we go? And then if the response from policy comes back. No, no, I don't want you to stay for a long time. I want to go in, remove the regime, and then leave. Then the response to that should have been, yes, sir, we can remove the regime and we can leave, but when we leave, it's not going to be a pretty happy place. There's going to be violence. If we put a Sunni-dominated military in place, there very well likely could be Shia resistance and insurgency in itself. Iran may step in very likely and achieve um, a strong influence. And so then, and then if the response to that is, no, no, well then you can't leave, you have to stay, then it should have been, yes, sir, we can stay, but in order to prevent all those things from happening, we're talking about a decade plus long occupation that's gonna require hundreds of thousands of troops. And I don't think that that conversation occurred. And so that component that Ambassador Dobbins made was a part of that overall greater strategic muddle that we found ourselves in. And then once we get into Iraq in spring, summer of 2003, 
for a whole bunch of reasons, which we could go deep into American history. You know, the progressive era, the idea of progress, that, you know, experts can make things better. Then I think we end up in almost a default mission creep mode where we end up just finding ourselves in the nation building business. We're drawing down mm -hmm. in Afghanistan from 2009 levels, which right. it's it's sort of a, a false drawdown in some sense since we surged in right, 2009. Right, right. But the war continues. Yeah. And there's no clear uh, way out. Do you have thoughts about where the United States will be in 2014 and beyond? I, ultimately, that's a, a policy decision on the part of the president. Um, what he decides to leave in place, there's been recommendations. General Mattis, the former CENTCOM commander, has recommended we keep 20,000 American troops in Afghanistan um, for the indefinite future or for a considerable amount of time. Again, it's a policy decision on whether or not President Obama wants to keep troops there at what level or whatever. I would just answer that question um, with a view towards history, um, which again suggests one of the things you brought up uh, at the beginning, and that was whatever we decide to do, let's decide to do it on the premise of there are limits to what our power can accomplish um, in the world, especially military power. And sometimes there may be other alternatives to using military power um, to shape a world um, that, that we want to see happen or occur. Colonel John Gentile is a U.S. Army officer and a history professor at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. We spoke following the event of the war in Afghanistan, What Went Wrong? You can watch the full event at Cato.org.